Hello and welcome to GMI, Guitar and Music Institute podcast, episode 5. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Joseph Alexander, the founder behind Fundamental Changes. You may or may not have heard of Joseph, and if you haven't heard of him, well, you're in for a real treat. I've been incredibly excited about this interview, and I've been looking forward to it for quite some time. I'm delighted to say that Joseph uh, is going to be talking to me today over Skype. So let's see. This is a first for GMI. Let's see how it goes. Now, if you are listening to uh, this podcast on iTunes, fantastic. But if you go to the GMI website, that's www.guitarandmusicinstitute.com, there will be ancillary uh, web links to everything that we've talked about today and more. So, it's all I have to say now is, Joseph, hi, how are you doing? Hi, Jeff. I am, I'll be honest, I've got a sore throat, I'm a bit sniffly. Oh, no. I'll be coughing my way through this interview, but I'll do my very, very best for you. Well... <laughs> Well, yeah, I know, it's, it's, this lurgy's been doing the rounds. Now, Joseph, for those of the people, and I know there's a lot of listeners in America, whereabouts are you based, roughly? Um, right now, I'm in Macclesfield, Cheshire, which is kind of near Manchester in the northwest of England. Ah, right. Is it raining? Um, do you know what? It's like the first day in four months where it's not raining. That's <laughs> kind of rich coming from a Scotsman. Well, yes, but t- to be honest, I'm looking out my window and it's as sunny as you could believe, so there you go. We were living up in Edinburgh last year and then before that we were out in Thailand as well. So, like, I mean, I love Macclesfield. I grew up here um, yeah, in Cheshire, but, um, yeah, we're sort of ready to go for a little explore again, me and my girlfriend and... Uh, we've got a road trip planned in sort of June. We're going to go off around Europe and get some sun. Fantastic. Sounds fantastic. Now, um, we won't, uh, we're going to be talking about fundamental changes later on, but first of all, uh, I'd like to know a little more about you and, and your musical history. You're a guitar player and uh, a very good one. Could could you maybe tell the listeners a little about your journey to uh the guitar and your training, or if you've had, I think you may have had training, well I know you have, I'm just pretending I don't know you've had training, the listeners a little about yourself, that would be fantastic. I started playing the guitar about the age of um, five or six, and um, just, just to jump in with a story immediately, I was, uh, Amazon invited me down to the London Book Fair last week. Name dropper, clang. Well yeah, but it, actually the name drop comes because the reason I picked up the guitar in the first place was seeing Brian May, and I was really little. I think it was a repeat of Live Aid, and I saw Queen set, and that was it. I knew that I wanted to play guitar. It was that, and I think I, I saw like a Jimi Hendrix video around about the same time. And so I'm there, and I was going to put me down in London, and I just walked past Brian May at the London Book Fair, and I was like, he was busy, so I kind of gave him like a few minutes and finished up. I was talking, you know, excuse me, Doctor May, kind of thing, and. It, it was this sort of weird serendipitous thing where, you know, I was there because I'd written sort of 35 books about guitar, playing guitar, and then I, I bumped into the guy that started it all just randomly. It was this amazing thing. Anyway, I started playing guitar at classical. Can I, can I just, can I just yeah. say, Joseph, uh, um, this, and folks uh, listening in, this isn't uh, nonsense. Brian May was my favourite guitarist, and he was the guy that got me into playing guitar. Which is quite incredible. And when I saw that picture with you and Brian, I was very jealous because I was playing down at um, 
uh, an in music industry event down in Wembley about eight years ago, and Brian was meant to be on the bill, and at the last minute he pulled out, probably heard I was playing there, and um, and so I never got to meet him. So when I saw that picture, which I will be up actually on the GMI website, it's just such a fantastic. It, so, so are you really small, or is he really tall? He's huge. Um, <laughs> just gentle giant, though. I mean, he's just such a calm, just well-spoken, gentle guy. I managed, you know, I sort of grab about five minutes with him. I think he, he's doing a book at the moment. It's going to be Queen in 3D, and that's why it was at the book there. And it's, right. it's going to be a beautiful book. So what, what did you talk about? Badgers, astronomy, or guitar? Or all? Um, uh, uh, well, you know, I didn't get time. I'd have been happy to talk about badges all day. But, <laughs> um, no, it, it, I, he just, I told him, like, what I told you, that he was really the reason I picked up the guitar. And he just seemed flattered, like, just so, oh, not flawed, but, you know, just really took it to heart. And, um, yeah, it was nothing more. It was just such a well-spoken, like, gentleman sort of thing, yeah. to use an old-fashioned term, and he just seemed to have time, you know, I've, I know a few people sort of won't name drop at all, but, you know, you, you do get some attitudes in this industry, and there was none of that, you just sort of had all the time in the world, but yeah. I guess he's got nothing to prove, Joseph. Well, yes, that, that could have something to do with it. Um, but yes, he's very tall, very tall. I mean, I'm, I'm not massive myself, I'm about 5'10", but he's very, you know, very mad. So, I, I interrupted you, so, yeah. <laughs> so um, he got you into the guitar, and then what happened? Well, I started, I, I think it's that, I think a lot of guitarists have this, and I went to my mum, and my mum worked really hard to put me through guitar lessons, and I'm always very grateful for, to her for that. She, um, you know, I'd seen Hendrix, and you know, setting fire to his guitars, only like seven or something like that. And so I said, you know, this is something I really want to do. I want to play guitar. So she got me classical guitar lessons when I was little, and that that was great. You know, it was a great foundation. But um, you know, of course, I wanted to play electric. So I, you know, I did my classical and uh, loved it, and I still loved the the music. But I started playing electric when I was about well, I went to high school. So what, like eleven? Mm -hmm. I think I'm not sure. Um, and had a few great teachers, um, like Andy Smith in particular was one that stood out, he's just a local guy around here, but you know, still a good mate. Then did my A-level music, um, and that, I applied to what was the Guitar Institute in London at the time, down in Ealing. Um, I've played there. Have you? I met, I met Sh well, I, I met Sean, Sean Baxter. Sean was my private, well, I, you know, we didn't really get private study lessons, so I paid Sean for lessons around his house, and, you know, great guy. Absolutely, yeah. You were down there for what, did you go to, d down there, to London? Yeah, I did. I went, um, it was, I was saying, like, a little country boy here, really, like, um, Cheshire, Quinton, little, little villages, and then I was at 18, just turned 18, and um, found myself um, in in Acton, Ealing. Um, it was terrifying. Yeah, in the middle of London and, and big people. And Lon like London College of Music didn't really have halls um, of residence, so I was in this sort of house share with people. So interesting. So, like, the, the, the classes were amazing. You know, I got a huge amount of that out of it, and I did. Long story short, I did about two years, and then I realised like I wasn't, I I couldn't cope with the the amount of. Um, well, I think what was, what was needed at the time was a huge amount of, of effort, and like 
not the effort. How can I say this succinctly? I was trying to deal with so many influences, and I was very ignorant at that stage. And I kind of got into jazz, but I essentially didn't realise that there was any kind of difference between like Miles Davis and Alan Holdsworth, right? At that mm-hmm. time, like, you know, I was, I was very new to it. Yeah. And you know, so one week would be doing so what, and then the next week would be doing giant steps, and it for me it was very difficult because we had to get these tunes together and like learn them. Um, we had to learn to solo on them, we had to do the chords, we had to play in a band, get the rehearsals, and we kind of had two weeks in that. And for me, like, because I was completely new to this, and I was like a rocker as well, I was trying to sort of put all these influences in. And I think, I, I, I just, for some reason, there must be some short circuit in my brain that um, I had to kind of get all of these styles into my pipe all at the same time, and often at like 200 beats a minute sort of thing. So... Predictably, I wasn't very good at it, but I, I sort of, you know, I got the bug. Um, anyway, it ended up, for one reason or another, taking a year off and then going to Leeds College of Music. I know it well. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, obviously I met um, amazing players like Jamie Taylor and um, Pete Sklaroff and, and all those guys who just had such a positive vibe about music. And I think the thing about London was it was just like, learn this, learn this, learn this, learn this. And where... Then I had lessons with, um, do you know Janice Pavlidis, if I'm pronouncing his last name, right? Great. Um, I don't. Uh, but I was, I, was there, I was there from 86 to 89, so... The, the thing I found about Leeds was that it, it felt like a much more musical place. Like, we were given our first study instrument tutor, sorry, I had, like, a lesson with Janice, who... He, he won, like, the jazz prize at Berkeley. You know, uh-huh. and he, he was just, so, I mean, he still is, he was gigging with Dave Liebman at the time, you know, he was just, he's up there with some of the best, and I got to have an hour with him every every week for two years, and, it, you know, that really brought me on, and he he realised what a sort of a bad state I was in musically, I think, I, I've written about this in the book that I've, written, I've just written, it's a bit meta, I've written a book about how to write independently published books. But I've written about it in that, and I've written about, I wrote about it in my first book. And he, he sort of sat me down and said, oh, listen, man, who do you want to be? And, and like, who do you like the sound of? I was like, at that time, I was listening to a load of Pat Martino. And he kind of put his hand up, like, he was like, I mean, I was almost in tears. He put his hand up, like, right near the ceiling. And he said, well, that's where Pat Martino is. I'm like, yeah. He goes, and he puts his hand like an inch off the floor, he goes, that's where you are, you're shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's encouraging. And he goes, and he goes, well, let's, okay, no, you're not shit, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to do this massive jump from the, the floor to the ceiling all in one go. You're trying to put everything in all at the one time. But he says, and then he puts his fingers together, like about you know an inch apart. And he says, well, what you can do is you can do this tiny step, and I'll give you that step, and you'll work on it, and we will nail it, and then I'll give you the the other. And gradually, like, you're just going to work your way up that distance, you know. And I think that I found that, like, from London, I had a very negative approach. I, was really, I hated my playing. I, I was very sort of depressed about my playing because I was trying to make this jump from nothing, essentially, to, to virtuoso. But what Yanis taught me was that I could break it down. And, and instead of having one massive negative experience, I had hundreds I hope, of um, <laughs> little successes, you know what I mean? And it was constant sort of feedback, you know, and it would be very tangible. Okay, next week, 
I, I want you to play out to play arpeggios on this sequence, like one sixty five. You just need to play like root to seventh on every chord and come back, and that's it. That's all you're going to work on doing a couple of areas of the guitar. Like if you can, if not, just do it. Yeah. It, it, it looks like you were, you you needed a a, a, a more supportive um, experience. Yeah, I, I'm I'm reluctant to say yes to that because it sounds like I'm dissing London. And London was excellent for a lot of things. Like I got my technique together, my scale, knowledge, my theory, and things like that. But I think what London was lacking was a one-on-one experience with a teacher. Unfortunately, and I mean I was paying for Sean. Yeah, institutionally, shall we say, I felt London was. Was, it was too much in terms of, for me personally, not for everyone, but it was too much in terms of work, workload, you know, because we were doing like jazz and we were doing funk and we were doing rock and we were doing theory and we were trying to learn to play keyboards and we were doing like oral and we were doing, you know, just so many things all at the same time. And it was a, it was a degree level and it was probably my fault for not being good enough when I got there essentially, but I, yeah, I didn't deal with it well and a lot of people do. Do you think but, um, that experience has really helped uh, shade how you go around the creation of the many books that you've created for yes. guitarists yeah like unequivocally yes like because that's why I said that story about Janice and, and, and the distance that we tried to make and positive reinforcement the reason I wrote my first book it was kind of this cathartic experience if you like that I, I wanted like a really simple straightforward route through playing a 251 Mm-hmm. you know and it was that simple and I wanted to be able to like I had students who were interested in jazz and I can you know my, my degree in at Leeds College of Music was in jazz so like I could play a bit I'm not I'm not great as jazz player in the world by any means um so I was getting the same questions and I was getting the same frustrations and this time like students were coming to me like I've seen this on YouTube or I read this lesson online and, and that you know they're trying to do things that are like three years down the line and they're forgetting you know the basics like rhythm core tones and you know that, that sort of structure of, of doing it and they're coming in and yeah you know I, I saw like Pat Matheny doing this like you know that's beautiful that's brilliant but you're, you're just not there yet so they, they were coming in with these frustrations and I was trying to write down my own thoughts and that kind of that kind of became my first book really and I called it Fundamental Changes there's a bit of a pun not a very funny one but it's the, it's the fundamental changes of jazz but it's also a fundamental change in your approach to learning guitar, or, or you know, just or, or I'm, I'm focusing on the fundamental changes of, of what we need to do. So, um, so that's how the company got called that. It was, you know, so 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 that that book was. Were you really writing that book from your for yourself in a sense? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was absolutely, and I, I needed to get. I think I needed to get stuff out of my head at that time. It sounds like it sounds a bit deep, I suppose, but well, why not? Well, yeah, I suppose it's got to come from somewhere, and I think that was part of the driving force. And also, like I said, I had students, and I wanted to give them some notes, and I think those two kind of things kind of combined. And um, yeah, like it, it's it's I think it's a solid book. It's probably not you know the the strongest book. It's just my first one. I think it, that book took me sort of eight months to write because I kind of just quite well, I've done that, and then somebody mentioned that I could. Uh, publish it independently through Amazon and, and I was I mean it was interesting because what I wanted to provide was audio you know you go by a musician's institute a Leonard book or whatever and 
it's got a CD and a DVD. I think there were about 180 examples or something, 160 examples in that book, and I recorded them at two speeds, and they ended up with hundreds of audio files. They ended up filling three DVDs. So I sent it off to a musical publishing place, which shall remain nameless. Next but, uh, so, yeah, we did that. Uh, and I sent it to them and said, well, you know, we, we actually really like the book. I think it's a great book, but we, it's, not, it's not tangible. It's not a tenable product because, you know, it's going to cost so much to create these three DVDs. And we like what you've done, but no. So, okay. I said, well, hang on, this is the 21st century. We have computers and MP3 and cloud and... And whatnot. So I just got a really like crappy website, put it together myself and WordPress. It wasn't good at all. I looked at it through, you know, the, by the internet time machine thingy. The sort myself. Yes, ah, uh, uh, yes. Five years ago, I was like, oh no. But I, I basically, I put the audio up there, and I put a link to the audio in the book, and that was it. And essentially, one of my students, I'm sure, I can never, I think it was one of my students, said to me, "Have you checked out like Amazon do this thing called Kindle Direct Publishing?" Or create space. I think I found the paperback first. Um, I can't remember which way around. But anyway, essentially, I uploaded the books at Amazon. And yeah, no, it was, it was Kindle first. And to my absolute shock and surprise, I think in the first month I sold like eight copies or something, which was just absolutely ridiculous because I just it was something that I had done for myself and I had no intention of publishing it really. You know, I was pushed into that by um, like I say, a student, I think. And then through that, I found this, it's another wing of Amazon called CreateSpace, and they do the paperback versions of things. Um, and they get linked together, and it just sort of sort of sold. And I think in, in the first couple of months, it made about £100 or something. I thought, well, that's nice. You know, there's something there. Maybe I'll just lock that away as a pension while I'm carrying on teaching. So I was, at that time, I was living around here, and I was teaching about 30 hours a week. I was, you know, busy, um, hopefully good teacher. And I thought, well, that's going all right. Why don't I write another one? So I, I talked about something that, you know, they, they're big on in London. Certainly the, the Institute was like the cage system, and break that down and you know people mock the cage system some love it some hate it I, I've got no strong feelings but it's how I sort of see the guitar and um, I did that but I kind of thought well I think the problem with the cage system for most people is it's not like a it's not very tangible it's like here are all these shapes here are all these chord shapes and you learn your scales and now what so I did the cage system and a hundred lips of blues guitar fantastic it's about five cage shapes and so I did five licks for each shape, so that's 25, and I did, um, what was I doing, minor pentatonic, major pentatonic, blues scale, and mixolydian. So kind of covering all sort of most bluesy bases, shall we say, and that's your 100 licks, and I think that book's got sort of, annoyingly, 249 reviews on <laughs> Amazon.com, mostly positive, and, and that still sells a couple of hundred copies a month, I think. And then, so I thought, well, that was, but that was a lot more successful. Um, so I ended up writing in the first year, or first was it 14 months, I ended up writing eight books. So oh. I just kind of got my head down and went blah, blah, blah. And you know, obviously every book's got audio examples and it's got notation. We, we try and do as much as we possibly can, give as much value to the, to the reader. And that, I won't, I won't name the title, but I remember getting a book by a very well-renowned guitar teacher. It's an excellent book. But it was 36 pages long. I remember being sort of 16, 17 and paying, oh God, like 20, 25 pounds or something for that. And I just, I was, not, you know, the content was great, but I didn't want, I was disappointed by the sort of 
thinness of the volume, shall we say. And I thought, well, you know, I, I can give more than that. So all our books are about 100 pages long. Okay, you are listening to GMI, the Guitar Music Institute. My name is Jed Brocky, and I'm in conversation with Joseph Alexander, a guitarist, composer, and publisher who's talking to me about his life, uh, the company he's developed, Fundamental Changes. You can find out more about this interview by uh, coming to the website at www.guitarandmusicinstitute.com. Joseph, you were saying there that you um, made eight books in one year. That's quite incredible. Do, do you think one of the reasons, because without, I don't want to be unkind here, but I mean, there's, it's difficult to say something new in terms of guitar music, although I haven't seen all your books. Maybe you have. Do you think it's because you're the voice of almost a guitar generation now? I mean, it is quite quite weird that you put a book out there, you don't really think about it much, and it just takes off. Or is it? Or do you think that it's something to do with the beautiful designs in the front that catches people's eyes? Or is it simply the fact that they get so much for quite very reasonable prices? Can you put your finger on it? Um, I don't know. I would object to being called the voice of the guitar generation. No, I think that's maybe overstating it, but um, I don't think. Um, well, certainly in, in terms of um, Amazon, your books show up all the time, and whether you like it or not, you are uh, an important player now in, in the whole field. And yeah, you've bro- uh, broken into a field that looked totally sewn up. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about disruptive um, technologies and industries and things like that, and that, that people have said that to me a few times that you know have certainly disrupted the guitar side of of um, music books and things like that. Um, hope that I would. We, uh, I, I think we've sold about two hundred and fifty thousand copies now. Um, my girlfriend, who's more up on these things, thinks it's closer to about three hundred thousand, and. What what that comes down to, like in terms of the way I feel about that, is that I feel very grateful that people have trusted me with their musical education, and I feel that there's a responsibility to do my absolute best um, for for that. Generally, the reviews are pretty good. Um, of course, we always get like, the old negative one, but you know that's just the way of the world. If somebody said to me, "Well, you're not doing it right," if, if everybody loves it, you know, you should you should be. You know, and people have wildly different views about what constitutes musical education. You know, if you go to, you know, a classical classical conservatoire, you go to like a rock school. You know that you're going to have different opinions on on what's good and what's not good and and the way way to do things. I I don't think my books are necessarily better, but I think they're different. And the way that they're different is that I break things up in tiny little steps. I think we've all had that book where we open it up and there's like sort of an, a, a sort of physics essay about guitar theory or something like that with one piece at the end where we you know we're supposed to kind of understand that now i don't i don't do that you know I've, my, my first exercise in my fingerstar blues guitar um book is like bomb 
boom, boom, boom on the low E string. And of course, if you're a bit better, if you're an intermediate guitarist, you go, oh, that's boring, and you skip, and hopefully you'll skip a chapter. You know, not too much, but maybe a chapter, two chapters, and you'll find the point where that, excuse the pun, resonates with you. The person that is just picking up the guitar, maybe can play a few chords and they can hold the thing, you know, they, they get to go from the actual first rudimentary example right through to, you know, pretty complex pieces in the end, but I've, I've split that up into 150 steps. Now, obviously, not on the way from nothing to that one piece, but <laughs> my books tend to be quite... I focus in, and they've got the most boring titles in the world, fingerstyle blues guitar, you know, or complete technique for modern theory for guitar to play well, it kind of say, it says what it does on the tin, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's... Yeah, it's a approach, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the thing is, my books are very targeted at a specific, very specific thing. And, you know, like, I don't have a book on blues guitar. I've got, like, five books on blues guitar because one's on rhythm, one's on melodic phrasing, which I think... Out of all the books I've written, I wish that one got more attention because I think it's one of the better ones. I like, complete guide to blues guitar and melodic phrasing because it's just so applicable to every style of music. But you know, it's there. And then there's a blues book about going beyond pentatonics. You know, starting to target chord tones. And then there's one about you know finger style, etc. So I do sort of hone in on a particular topic and then go into as much detail in that and the and the closely surrounding supporting areas of that, you know, and I'll get into, well, everything, you know, whether it's scales, rhythm, and, um, I, I, you know, a little bit of theory, I guess, but I prefer to be giving people music to be playing and, and developing. It's, I don't necessarily go, here's your piece, let's learn it, and there's a place for that. The approach is always to develop the either the technique or the ability or the insights or, or, or an understanding of how the music's constructed so the student can take away those rudiments and make their own music. I think that's maybe might be getting more on to, to why they're successful because it's not just like, right, you've done your exercise, here's your piece. It's just like, here's a comprehensive guide to the best of my ability. And, you know, there's, there's better guitarists out there, certainly. But to the best of my ability, I'm giving the the reader, the student, as many tools as I possibly can and a coherent pathway. That's the thing, like a coherent pathway from like zero to hero, if you like. You know, and I'm I'm never going to be like Pat Martino, you know, I'm I don't yeah, I'm I'm not like good. I shouldn't really be saying this because we've been talking about it for a little while, but um I reached out and Martin a little while ago and we're very much hoping to do a book together this year. Fantastic. Yeah, it's lovely because there's sort of, um, you know, like I I, I write my own books and I also publish books by some very talented musicians. And there's, oh, like I said, there's a lot of stuff I can't do, you know, I'm I'm a terrible death metal guitarist, but I know a guy who's great. So he's written the book and we've published it together and we split all the profits. So perhaps, uh, Joseph, could we we just talk about this because... You know, fundamental changes is is well. It you've started massively the ball rolling, but but you're looking for talent around the world. You've got the contacts and the system to to hopefully help people actually realise their ideas, concepts, and actually create a, an income stream. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. I mean, I sort of put, I think, three and a half, four solid years in of, of sort of doing it myself and building the brand and and everything. And the thing is, none of this was conscious. None of the branding was conscious. I never set out to write, like, 30-odd guitar books. It was just never, never on my radar. But... You know, it sort of kept growing, and I realised actually, you know what? I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite good at explaining stuff to to people in text format. So, um, so, um, accidentally I developed the branding. I, I you know, the, the company was starting to do all right, and I employed an amazing company called Twizzlebird in Twitchester. They did the um, the website, and, and while they were doing the website. I said, oh, listen, I'm really terrible at making book covers. Like, my book covers were awful. They were, they were pretty shit. And so can you put, a, like, a Photoshop template together for me? And uh, so I can switch out a guitar and change the text and change the colour of the background and all that sort of thing. And can you tie it into the colours of the website with all the fonts and everything? They're like, yeah, sure. And I think they charged me about £200 for it. And because I was just pretty terrible at Photoshop, but I knew enough to get an appropriate jazz guitar in there or get an appropriate yeah. for the country or whatever it happens to be. Um, I suddenly got this branding. And so I've got books everywhere. And you know how Amazon loves to cross-promote people who bought this, also bought that? That stuff starts showing up on Amazon. Um, and also people go to the website to download the audio. So I get to build up my mailing list by, by doing that. We give out free lessons each week and, and things. So it, it sort of accidentally grew into this brand it wasn't it wasn't you know I, I said to somebody the other day I gave more um put more thought into my Halloween costume in my career <laughs> so, um, so uh, you, uh, and what do you normally dress up as <laughs> uh, I was a this year. Um, excellent we've got this branding and everything sort of on this place and I started getting approached I think you know I, I did a shout out on the mailing list you know like we're looking for people and if you want to be published because I think there's a th- there's a finite amount of stuff I can write about with integrity, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, go and do, like, your progressive fusion book because, like, I can dabble, but, you know, I, I would have no integrity at all. If, and if you ever see, like, progressive fusion by Joseph Alexander, just don't buy it. <laughs> I'll, I, I will buy it. <laughs> you know, like, we're talking, you're talking to guys, and, like, for some reason, I've just never got my head around um, poetry music. Um, you know, like, well, it's just country, it's this. I'm like, well, okay, I just don't have an affinity with it, maybe, you know, musically. And, yeah. and so I asked Levi, Levi Clay, who's just an astonishing guitarist, just an amazing talent. His ears as well, dude. Like, you know, you just sort of see him watching, like, transcribe Holdsworth just in real time on his wow. computer with one hand. And so he, he's written the country book, and it's doing great. And Simon's written five, and Pete Sklaroff's doing one of them. Who, who's, who's Simon? Can you tell us about Simon Pratt. Simon Pratt is just the most indispensable guy. He's just constantly positive and friendly and like you know you sort of have a bad day and you speak to Simon he he's just <laughs> just cheers you up um, this is really interesting because I, I know some of the I certainly know Pete Sklaroff very well you're yeah. you're you're gathering around you a, a lot of creative very talented people which yeah. is very exciting in itself yes and, and, and I think Simon he, he responded to when I shout out to the shout out in in the mailing mail list but since then, people have been approaching me because they see this branding and I've got a page on the website if you're an author you want to get published. And we, I think part of the reason you wanted to do this interview with me is is because it's, we're, we're, you know, we were talking before the interview about how difficult the music industry is for, you know, talented musicians. 
and how hard it is to get paid and how hard it is to get you know get the gig where you know it's not full promotion you know I call that promotion that's putting bread on the table for us all yeah well I I just think so it's just so many ways that it's much more difficult now and and a lot of musicians are coming out of colleges all over the place yeah. And they're looking around at what happens next. Do I start yeah. teaching? We have this sort of cyclical thing of people going to university, coming out and teaching, and then yeah. and then and that's it. And and this is what really excites me about what you're creating, Joseph. Uh, a real opportunity, not just for yourself, but for a lot of people who probably have a lot to say. Well, I think so, and I hope so. You know, the the thing is, uh, I was going to say is. It's such a difficult industry, and there's two difficult ones. Writing, you know, if you if you go traditional publisher, you're going to get maybe eight percent of your cover price if you're lucky. Um, you know, maybe if you're J.K. Rowling, you'll get a bit more than that. But essentially, you know, they they own your they own your rights, they own your ass. Like they'll say, you've got the next three books, you've got to be published by us. We own everything, and if they decide to drop you, they drop you. And it's the same for like you know, if you're getting a record deal, um, and it's hard. I know you're saying about the cycle of teaching and, and things people I, I love teaching I love it and I, I've always been a teacher I think and um, I think it's a very worthwhile thing to do certainly with music and, and certainly with what you know let's, let's not go off on this one but like certainly what the government's doing with you know arts funding libraries music tuition all that sort of stuff you know that's that's going and so if you can be a part of a force that is is doing is helping people to make music and art, then I think there's something very worthwhile in that. That said, there's, there's got to be a balance as well, because I know, like, at the time when, um, again, no names, but I remember people at, um, like, Music College at Leeds, and they say, right, I'm, I'm going to be, like, a jazz trumpeter, and that's what's, you know, I'm going to be world famous, and I'm going to have this. And it's like, well, to be honest, like, at the time, I said, well, there's probably about three people on this planet making a really good living as a jazz trumpeter. You know, and I don't mean to be negative about it, but, you know, that, that, and those guys will be supplementing their income. You know, and it's just, it's, it's hard in, in, in the industry. So with that sort of mindset, I could have my publishing company and I know that I know I can make a lot of money for the people that are writing for me, certainly with guitar, because we write a book and I just let 30,000 people know it exists, you know, and that's... That's why the books are, are doing well. Well, it's not. Hopefully, they stay doing well because they're good books. But we can certainly give that initial push in the right direction, and you know, I can offer that to people. So essentially, the deal is, Amazon take about fifty percent of the cover price, and that is pretty good deal because they put it on the site, they do the distribution, they do the printing. You know, everything that is sort of hands dirty work. Um, they get it to the customer's front door sort of thing. I upload a file, you know, and, and that's printed in the cloud, from the cloud, and it goes out and, and then it, it rocks up at somebody's door. So they, they take their money for that. It's about 48%, I think. Um, and then whatever's left over, it's split 50-50 between myself and the author. Well, you can't so, say any fairer than that. Well, I, I, I think so, I mean, I, because... I, uh, on a purely business level, I want to expand my brand. I want people to see more books by us. And I want, of course, I want them to be the best. I don't want to be like something like Donald Trump. I have the best books. So yeah, fifty-fifty, and that means that I'm as invested in in the book as the writer, and we can both do our, our bit. So what what I ask from the writer is that they provide me with a, with the book essentially, and we 
and I'm involved at every stage as much as they want me to be. So I say, okay, like, listen, just go and write your plan and give me a very rough table of contents. Like, what do you want to include? Where are they starting? What are they going to work through? And where do you want them to be when they finish? That, that's the plan for the book. Then don't write the introduction. Introductions are hard. And if the book changes, you have to read a new introduction. So go and write your first tuition chapter. Go and give me, like, well, the first part of that. Give me three or four pages. And then we can see, and I can talk to them about my house style, I can see how they're notating the musical examples. And, and essentially, that gradually turns into a book that's, you know, 90s, between 90 to 106 pages. Um, they provide the book I, and the audio. And I do all the copy editing. Sorry, sorry, Joseph. The author provides the audio, is that correct? Yeah, they, yes. they, I mean, most people have got a computer set up these days where they can just plug in and, and play. And, you know, certainly guitarists, it's pretty easy for us to just hit record now. But so, yeah, they do that. I mean, if we, we can provide backing tracks, yeah, there's, there's always stuff that we do. But essentially, to, to keep it easy, they provide the, the content, notation, and audio. We provide the covers, the branding, the copy editing, the proofreading the route to market, the promotion, and, and everything else that goes along with, with putting that into a, a book. And then we, we get it on Amazon, we'll promote that. We'll, And also we've got a lot of automation that goes on with our email systems as well, so we can build the promotions for their book into the automation. So once it's locked in there, somebody that's bought a book in a similar genre will get a load of cool free lessons we hope from the website but then eventually get the that promotion come through their email for their book like, just like it was a new release for them so yeah we, we keep things ticking over with email marketing i guess but at the moment the next thing is like at the moment i'm looking for if you know anyone we're looking for singers we want bass players drummers you're listening to gmi the guitar music institute podcast my name is jed brocky and i'm in conversation with joseph alexander writer composer guitar player of fundamental changes. So, yeah, I'm just giving you a little chance to get uh, your uh, throat wet <laughs> with, yeah, uh, yeah, with coffee. Uh, Joseph's got a terrible cold just now, so he's doing incredibly well getting through this interview. So as we head towards the end of the interview, Joseph, um, I suppose what the, there's a couple of things I'd like to know. I'd like to know about your own musical development and where you want to take that as a player. And also about where you see fundamental changes going and uh, you've alluded to that earlier just before the, uh, the the break there so could you maybe tell us a little about that with the amount of income coming into the company I can see huge potential in, in live broadcasts and all that sort of stuff I mean is that something you would like to, to go down or is are you um, good we are we're doing a few things at the moment and you might have noticed we've got a few base books out um, now and we're, that's that's definitely an avenue that we're kind of progressing down. We're trying singers are hard, man. I keep trying to getting so close to getting a singer to write a book. And, um, I might have someone for you actually. Oh, cool! Brilliant. <laughs> well, talk, but essentially, we want to expand, and it's you know not in a sort of Starbucksy way, but we 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 feel that we're doing a good thing, you know, and. The books we're putting out there are, are really good and they're well received and they have integrity and they have value and they they help people. Bottom line, they help people to do music and they do that for like what's the paperbacks like twenty dollars, you know. And you certainly couldn't get an hour lesson with with me for twenty dollars kind of thing. And so we're giving. 
that I think that is good value. And you, you consider what the average price of a guitar lesson is. You know, it, it's not what is what is it, sixteen pounds an hour. You know, it's yes. like that, that that's twenty dollars, sixteen pounds at the moment. So, you know, I think that's good value. And you get your audio, and you get a huge book full of stuff that's going to last you months and months and months. So, we do we try to give value, and we, we want to essentially grow the company in an organic way that helps not only the student but gives opportunities um financial and um certainly financial but in terms of like getting their name out there and we talked about you know not doing publicity gigs but you know just with what we can do the amount that we can we can spread spread the word of, of what we're doing um I think it is a really good opportunity for for for, instru- for instrumentalists to write about what they do and what they love. You know, when somebody approaches me and like, right, I need you to write, you know, 101 rock drum grooves. It's not that. It's what do you want to write about? What are you passionate about? What do you think you're going to be able to to do in this book that's really going to to make a difference? You know, and we do have a few books that are like the first hundred chords for guitar, but you know, they they go beyond that. You know, they teach you how to play. You know, we of course, we've got a few books out there that help generate leads or, you know, help people find our brand and they're inexpensively priced. Of course, we have things like that, but they have value. We, we want the teacher to be writing about what they love and what they care about. We, we want to expand the brand. We want to, to get more books out there, but we want to help both the teacher and, and the student to get better. Um, more tangibly at the moment, probably we're going to be looking at doing actual more guitar videos, like video courses. Fantastic. As we know, if you've sort of bought a book on blues guitar, then, you know, we, we'll probably be able, you know, you'll be interested or, or get value from, from sort of an inexpensively priced um, video on the same same topic. And it, it's sort of, it's not that hard now, is it, these days to, to put a video together and actually make it, make it good. Um, in terms of me, I've been asked to write books on how to be a successful, independently published author and, and I do that. I get, like I said, I was, uh, Amazon invited me down to the London Book Fair, which is always surreal. I'm doing another thing in Manchester next week for Amazon and, um, you know, for, for whatever pe- you know, people have mixed views on Amazon, of course they do, but they, they've treated me incredibly well. And as soon as they noticed that I was successful at this they've given me every little bit of support you know these huge independent authors are selling like i think rachel i was trying to have dinner with her it's weird i was sitting opposite rachel and then i had the like the regional director for amazon europe like all of it he'd flown in from luxembourg and he's sort of we're having dinner and it you know it was just this really surreal experience and i hate all that I hope I, I hope you I hope you had a suit on. Um, and I've heard like Mark no, Dawson. Yes, like that jacket, white <laughs> t shirt. Um, I've heard of Mark yeah. Dawson. Yeah, a great guy, lovely guy, you know, we yeah. chat a lot and he's really you know, he's all over Facebook. He's he's got the if you want to talk to somebody about advertising, he's he's the guy. He spends a quarter of a million dollars a year on Facebook advertising and he makes a lot of money from that, you know, and his books are great. Joseph, what what's the what is the next book you're gonna bring out? Me, I, I am so embarrassed to say this. It's got, we think it's going to be called Self-Published Millionaire. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we don't want to just uh, focus in on the money, but that's an interesting title. Well, yeah, it was it was suggested to me. I think we I was I was yelling at you. So I don't want it to call it. I don't want it to do like the because it's not about that. And, and no, people, people do focus in on that, and it, of course it's a marketing thing and it helps sell books. But for me, like it, it's a byproduct, and um, you know, like it, we we do good things. I hope, and people like them, and that's resulted in catch. It was never. It was never the other way around. I'm going to make a load of money by writing books, and I think it has to be like that. Listen, Joseph, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, speaking to you today. I was so excited about this interview, and I've not been disappointed. I really love the fact that you're so laid back about the business and that it's kind of fallen into your lap in a way. And I'm not, I don't mean by that you haven't worked incredibly hard because anyone can see that you must have sweated. A lot of blood, sweat and tears has gone into this business. The, the things that are coming through the pipeline sound incredib- incredibly exciting. And, and I know that uh, if there's anyone out there, I, I think I'm okay to say this, that if they feel they have something of worth they should get in touch with you, yes? Yeah, but it's um, fundamental-changes, so fundamental-changes.com. And on there, I've got a little, just a little page saying if you want to get published, get in touch, and you, you can get in through that page. And the, um, the link will also be on the Guitar Music Institute website uh, for this yeah. podcast. Well, thank you. So, OK, well, all that uh, really... Uh, I didn't know you were a diver, so once this interview finishes, I want to tell you something interesting. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, Joseph, uh, once again, thanks so very much for taking the time uh, with all the cold and everything to, to spend some time with us. Thank you.